Hello team and welcome to episode 390 of the Simply Fit podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Mira Bogle. Mira is a woman's health coach and menopause expert. When Mira entered her 40s, she recognized that her body began to change. Accompanying those changes was hair loss, joint pain, brain fog, and many other symptoms that she simply could not explain. With no understanding of why she felt this way, she traveled down many different paths until discovering that perimenopause could be the answer and this discovery changed Mira's life. In this episode, you can expect to learn what menopause really looks like and why it may be impacting you even if you're not in your 50s or older, how to navigate the symptoms you're going through to experience a higher quality of life, along with how you can still prioritize your fat loss goals even as you go through this phase of your life. So without further ado, Mira Bogle. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm really well. Thank you so much, Elliot, for having me on. The pleasure is truly mine. I'm very excited to dive into our topic of conversation today. But before we do, can you give us a bit of context about who you are and what it is that you do? Okay. Well, as I said, my name is Mira Bogle and I am now referred to as a menopause expert. Never thought that that would be something that would be a term that would be would be after, after my name, um, uh, you know, many, many years ago. But yeah, I'm referred to as a menopause expert. I basically help uh, women, support women to understand their menopause journey a lot better um, through lifestyle and holistic approach, um, but also raise awareness within um, wide communities, as wide and as far as I can go. So kind of raising awareness, raising education and knowledge about menopause and what it all means, because every woman is going to go through it. Absolutely. And did this all stem from your own personal journey with menopause? Where did it all begin for you? Because like you said, you weren't going to take the role of the menopause expert but here we are today speaking about exactly that I know I know it is you know what it did it did start for me all with my own journey and actually because of the journey I went on and the lack of understanding I had I just and it it was a fairly horrible horrible journey I just felt that I really didn't want anybody else to to go through this and the more I began to speak to people, the more I realized that there were so many myths about menopause and it just wasn't something that was spoken about at all. It's just something we thought only happened, I thought only happened to people who are in their 70s or 80s or whatever, you know, old, what I would consider old. And as I'm getting older, I'm, I'm thinking that's not old either. But, you know, that's that's really what I thought. But the, the 10 years of my perimenopause journey, which I didn't know what was, I didn't know what was happening to me. That's the first thing. I really had no clue. It was very scary. It was very lonely and it wasn't it wasn't really I'm 54 now 55 in a few weeks but it wasn't really until probably my late 40s mid to late 40s that I actually began to put all the pieces together and really understand what was going on and then start to think about okay this has got to change because people were saying things to me like oh no 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 no. if you keep yourself fit and healthy you'll never have menopause and don't worry it'll be over soon or it's it's just a, a disease that happens to certain people or certain parts of the population like white white the white population or whatever and I was so dismayed by all of this I just thought no this has got to change it's really got to change I can imagine and in terms of the experience that you had during those perimenopausal years what did that look like you said it was a pretty horrendous journey and I can imagine there's many women who are going through it right now and maybe wondering what is going on with them as well so can you share a little bit more about an in-depth look at your journey of what perimenopause looked like for you definitely definitely so just to start with in my late 30s 
and early 40s, I would say 38 to 40, I started to notice some changes. But over the course of the next 10 years, I actually noticed different changes happening. So I'll kind of go through all of those. And the symptoms that I experienced, some of them are very common to a lot of women, and some of them may be quite unique just to me. And there are lots of other symptoms as well. There are like 47, 50 plus symptoms that women can go through. So for me, um, the, the, the first changes that started to happen were hair loss. So I started to suffer really dramatic hair loss um, to the point where I sort of in the front here. And, you know, it was literally on my 40th birthday. And I remember it very clearly. We were going out. I had a party organized in town and it was all just very exciting. And I actually just stopped and I said, I don't want to go. And I just looked at my husband and I said, I don't want to go. And I was in tears. And he was just like, What's, what on earth happened? And I was like, just look, I, I can't. I feel I don't have the confidence because my hair, it's really thin around my crown, just in my front. And he was like, look, he's he's lovely. He's He uh, he and my daughters have been the rock uh, that got me through this. But he just was like, okay, look, let's just get, let's get you to the party and let's just talk about it on the way. Let's see what we can do. So hair loss was the first thing that I noticed. And then I dealt with that hair loss as an individual symptom. So I spoke to my hairdresser. I went and saw a trichologist. And, you know, I, I slowly started to get my hair growth back through the advice that the trichologist had been given me, uh, had given me. And then, you know, again, that was kind of happening. And then at the same time, I was starting to notice some changes in my fatigue. I, I'm, I'm quite fit. I'm quite active. I was very into running. So lots of kind of half marathons and all of that kind of stuff, spinning classes. I was just getting a lot more tired than I would normally get. And then my joints were beginning to start to ache, you know, and I just didn't, it's really difficult to put a finger on it, but I didn't recognize myself. I, I just wasn't the same person and I couldn't put my finger on it. So I went to the doctor again and like sort of, you know, what's wrong with me? I don't know. And they were like, well, maybe you were just, you know, let's have a do a blood test. Maybe you, your iron's a bit low or this is a bit low. And for your joint pains, perhaps take, take some anti-inflammatories. And Okay, so we kind of did all of that. Wasn't anything showing up at the blood test per se. Carried on a bit, a little bit longer, a few more years. And then I ended up with really, really bad anxiety. And I am not somebody who suffers from anxiety or depression or low mood. I'm quite upbeat, quite, you know, kind of just get on with things, really. I couldn't, you know, the smallest things I couldn't, I couldn't get on a train and go from A to B. It was just too much for me. I, I found going to work really difficult. I found what people were saying to me really difficult to process. I found going to work and dealing with kind of really normal everyday interactions very difficult. And at the same time, as all of this was happening, I was suffering from really bad night sweats and poor sleep and uh, really bad concentration and brain fog. I would be saying something or speaking and I could see the word and I could visualize that word I knew what the word meant let's say let's say a cow right I could see the word cow I could see the cow I couldn't get the word out and it was just like okay now I'm getting Alzheimer's or maybe I've got cancer or maybe I've got a tumor you know all of these things are going through your mind and you feel like you literally feel like you're going a little bit crazy and people around you no one's joining the dots up nobody's telling you anything I went to the GP and again it was well why don't you have antidepressants um you know maybe that's what's going to help you and you know nothing wrong with antidepressants but I just knew something inside me was telling me that is not what I need there's something else that's happening to me and I don't know what it is and that's really when I started to do the research on it talking about symptoms it, they kind of carried on even once I knew that I was going through now I realized in my late 40s sort of mid 40s I suddenly joined the dots and realized I was going through something that could potentially be called perimenopause. My menopause journey carried on and actually the symptoms just got a little bit worse and a lot 
less manageable. I began to get very erratic periods to the point where I couldn't leave the house. And again, work was impacted. Life was impacted. My relationship with my husband was impacted in, and my kids because, you know, one minute I was a like, I mean, I was just literally a mess on the floor crying my eyes out. And the next minute I was just this happy, you know, everything was fine person. And they were looking at me like, oh, my God. And my husband often says, you know, he, he didn't know who he was going to come home to. He didn't know whether he was going to come home to a, somebody just lying on, sitting on the floor crying or somebody who'd managed to get everything done that day and was feeling really good. And so, you know, there were a lot of symptoms, a lot more symptoms, things like allergies and tolerances began to creep up with me. Things like sinus issues, histamine issues, they began to creep up. So I felt a bit like when I, when I first got the, um, what's called a symptom checker, menopause symptom checker, when I first ever heard of this thing and I got it out and I printed it and I looked at it and I ticked nearly every single one. I just thought, seriously, this is what is happening to me. You know, and there was a relief in finally being able to think, okay, I haven't got cancer. I'm not getting Alzheimer's. I'm not, you know, I'm not going crazy. I haven't got depression and anxiety because I've, there, you know, there is a chemical reaction that leads to that. Or my joint pains are not because of that. My fatigue is not because of whatever. It's actually all of this stuff which is coming together and happening because I'm going through something called perimenopause and and then finally menopause and now I'm postmenopausal but that's that's pretty much it you know it wasn't it wasn't easy it was horrible I couldn't run you know the things I wanted to do suddenly I wasn't able to do I couldn't run because my joints ache too much so like what do I do how do I exercise that was my kind of lifeline was getting outside in the fresh air and going for a run switching off to the outside world well how do I find that you know how do I find that peace of mind so it was it was really tough really tough yeah it sounds like an insane journey and the biggest challenge here is that like you said you no longer had those outlets not only that but you're still expected to do the exact same thing in terms of your work life in terms of being a parent in terms of just living and enjoying your life but you're only just focusing on the things that need to get done and they're hard enough like you said getting on a train from a to b was hard enough and then what happens then is that you end up only doing the functional things if you're able to do that and then you lose out on all the things that bring you joy in life as well and you know it's a really really deep hole that you get yourself into and then someone comes along and be like yeah you need antidepressants well like well maybe i am depressed you know luckily you had that intuitive voice saying okay it's not this there's something else there but i can imagine so many people being like well there's no other explanation so it must be this you know and what they've not realized is they're probably going through that they're taking all the way the joy from their life everything else feels hard now and it's just a terrible situation to be in so i'm so glad that we're having this conversation and i'm sure a lot of women listening right now are like I recognize these symptoms and a lot of husbands and partners are probably also thinking I recognize this in my wife or my partner. So we have to ask the question, where did you go next with all of that information? What did you do to get yourself out of that hole? Uh, do you know what, Elliot, though? I love what you've said. It's taking the joy out. And it did feel like a very joyless existence for a while. And I hear that a lot from women. It's that point where they've just got to where they're so desperate because there isn't anything that they're doing that is bringing them joy. So that was just a very insightful 
comment that you made and I love that and and thank you for having this conversation because yes you're right so many women will be thinking and they could be in their early 30s or late 30s you know it, it just doesn't matter they could be thinking hold on a minute these all these all this resonates with me it was literally one day when I sat down I, I, I got to my yoga I started taking up yoga again I don't know why but I just thought I need to maybe I need to just do something different and I started taking up yoga I took up Ashtanga yoga because it's a bit I would say the most dynamic kind of style of yoga and I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie and a bit crazy so I thought you know what that's going to suit me and actually I still practice today but the practice is very different once you get deep into it you realize all yoga practice is based around breath but anyway I started my yoga journey and my yoga teacher just looked at me and I'm fairly flexible and all the rest of it so I didn't have a problem but I literally couldn't touch my toes one day and I was crying just in the corner literally broke down and she said to me she knew me by then so I'd been going every day for about a year or two years and she just said what's up and I chatted to her and she said you ever thought about menopause? And I was like, God, don't be dumb. Menopause, you know, literally, like, you must be crazy. I'm only 40-something. Um, but I did. I went back and I researched it. And my husband's a pharmacist. And he just said, yeah, actually, why don't we look it up? So it was like, started looking up. Now, all the research that I could find was all around this one research study, which actually was the one that stopped the HRT, right? Because otherwise, I don't think I'd be having this conversation with you if this research study hadn't come about and, the, and basically the, the study was indicating it was wrongly kind of the conclusions were wrongly brought together that actually HRT was linked to a higher risk of, of breast cancer and the HRT that I was talking about that I was introduced to at the time would have been the one that was made from um, horse urine so mare urine right and I was like I am not having this this is not happening I'd rather go through what I'm going I'm not putting horse urine inside me like that's ridiculous so you know it was all indicating towards no not having hrt it's dangerous i don't want to have it so i then started to delve into well what can i do and that's where i turned to what as a south asian person i know really well which is food right our culture we 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 live around the next meals we talk when we're eating the meal we talk about the next meal you know, that's, that's how it is in our, so food is a massive massive thing for us and i just thought okay well that's something i know let me go back into it. Let me delve back into food. What am I eating? What am I doing? How am I living? What's going on? And I couldn't find any research that helped me, A, as a South Asian woman, and B, about a holistic approach. What are the other things I could do? So I literally just started to explore and thought, okay, I'm, I'm gluten and dairy intolerant anyway. And I actually, about 25, 26 years ago, I went through about suffering from very bad migraines and becoming very unwell in IBS. At that point, again, turned to food. And I myself started to research at that point and actually realized that it was gluten, uh, wheat gluten in particular, and dairy in all forms that were, were triggering me into being bloated, IBS and all the rest of it and, and migraines. So I'd already been on a journey of discovery with food. So I felt very familiar with looking at food and what it did. And I actually started to record my symptoms after things I'd eaten and after things I'd drunk and after things like exercise. How did I feel? What symptoms were worse or better? And through that and through a lot of research to alternative places, um, so looking at things like, you know, protein, fiber, fat, micronutrients like zinc, vitamin D, all of those things. Lots and lots of research into alternative, sort of not your usual, not therapies per se, but research, articles, anything that I could get my hands on. 
And I then created this regime, lifestyle, system for myself, which actually started to help me to manage my symptoms. Not all of them, but it meant I could function a bit better. So I wasn't, you know, it didn't take the symptoms away and there was this miraculous thing that happened. But actually, what was noticeable was women were coming to me and saying, you look like you're dealing with this really well. What are you doing? And I was like, really? Okay, it doesn't feel like I'm dealing with it well, but quite clearly it sounds like, you know, it looks like I am. But I I started to turn to, so realisation very early on that alcohol triggered quite a lot of my symptoms that excess sugar triggered quite a lot of my symptoms. And I don't mean just sugar in Tea and stuff, spoon yeah. you add, but sugar, like even things like bananas or dates or fruit would trigger symptoms. Um, I actually also realized that I wasn't eating enough. I was eating way too little. I realized I was nowhere near eating enough protein. I wasn't eating enough fat. I was actually just doing the the, the thing that I had been taught to do or influence to do as I was growing up which was just rubbish for me my body and my brain and then the realization that the yoga was amazing for me because it gave my brain calmness and space and then the best thing of all the strength training that was like you know I was that typical I'm not going to do any strength training because I'm going to end up like Arnold Schwarzenegger and I don't want that (laughs) and my trainer looking at going, God, if you could look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I would have performed a miracle. So, you know, he was literally saying this stuff to me. So it literally was about a lifestyle change. It was about looking at diet and almost flipping everything that I knew on its head, which was just such a journey. Still is. I'm still on the journey. It's, you know, it hasn't stopped. I'm still there. Yeah, I can imagine. And I love that transition that you've made. But I'm sure that I'm trying to find out here whether it was such a bad position that you were in that you were like, I have to do anything to make myself feel better. Because of something I hear a lot from the woman going through this is that, you know, they miss eating the same way that their family does. They miss the life that they used to lead. They miss, you know, eating a burger and chips and ice cream on the weekends and not having to suffer the consequences both within their digestion and their body weight as well. So how did you mentally come to terms with it? Was it just that your reality was so painful that you're like, anything that helps is okay and I'm happy to kind of let that part of the past go? Or did you have some challenges with dealing with, okay, I can't drink as much as I'd like to. I don't feel maybe quote unquote as young anymore because I have to do all these things to like keep myself functioning. Is that a journey that you went through kind of mentally as well yes 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 I I I did the journey I see so many of the women that I help go through I did the whole thing of okay I'm going to do it for about eight weeks or four weeks or whatever it is and then I'm out for a somebody's birthday or I'm out with friends or whatever it is or you know the kids come home and we're going or we're on holiday or whatever you know and then it goes crashing down and what would happen initially is I wouldn't notice it so much. I wasn't aware. It was just because things were so bad. When they were a bit better, it was great. And then they were just bad again. You know, so you just do this roller coaster the whole time. And then as I, I suppose, as as I got older and more into that journey and the perimenopause symptoms just became more and more severe, I think my body was just not able to cope as well. So every time I reverted back, it just got worse. But here was the thing. As I was starting to improve my gut health, improve my overall internal health and how my body was processing food and digesting it, there came a point where digestively I could actually process a lot more food than I was able to before because I was actually looking after my gut health. So 
actually, when I had the burger and I had the, the alcohol, it wasn't so bad. But then it went through another wave and another phase. So it is just waves and phases. And I, and I, and I think it's just important to understand that each time you do it, each time you go through it, you learn a little bit more. So it got to a point where, for example, even now I do, I love that, that thought of not being able to have a social drink with people still gets me a little bit. And I, I will, but I've learned that actually, okay, it, it kind of affects me a little bit more. And it's probably the last thing I'm giving up right now. So I had a gin and tonic on, on, the, on Sunday because it was Father's Day. But I had one and actually it wasn't too bad. Um, but it was my daughter's wedding about three or four weeks ago. And I got absolutely, you know, not in a good way. And do you know what? I really suffered. I had a great time because I was having a blast at the time. And it took me about a week to recover. And it was just like, okay, no, I cannot do this. So I think it's really important for anybody listening to say, I couldn't just go, right, I can't, that's it. Switch off, can't do it because that I just don't think is a realistic way of doing it. I do feel that you need to step in very gradually. So the women that I support now, I, I say to them, look, it's about making the small changes, right? Again, so if you know that alcohol triggers you and it's one of those, perhaps don't drink in the week and perhaps think about having one or two drinks at the weekend and figure out which drink does less damage, right? And then gradually wean off. Things like food, if you're trying to include more protein, and it isn't about excluding food. I look at it as including. So all I'm doing is giving my body more of what it needs and less of what it doesn't need. So my clients, you know, love bread. Why shouldn't we eat bread? It does, if it doesn't affect you, it doesn't affect me, but it doesn't affect you. Why should you give it up? So I just say, well, see how you get on, you know, have one slice, but have two or three eggs or something. So you've got your protein in there and your vegetables in there and your whatever. So you've got a full complete meal. Don't a lot of, again, my clients are, are, are South Asian and they're like, we love our chapati and our dals and our rice and our curries. And I'm like, absolutely eat those, but just be mindful about perhaps what oils you're using or how much of the rice and the chapatis you're having and how much of the protein you're having and the, and the fiber. Small changes, that's the way I would say, go gradually into it, unless of course your symptoms are horrific, in which case you, you kind of need to, oh, I suppose you kind of need to make that choice. A bigger overhaul is needed, right? And I think that that's kind of the reality for many people who maybe have a celiac disease or for example exactly. or some heavy dairy intolerances is that yes. like you like I mentioned when I asked that question it's like sometimes things are so extreme that even though you miss those things your reality is far better without them in terms of the way you feel on a day-to-day basis and I think a big point that you made as well was the awareness piece right it's like okay I know that alcohol affects me. And I say this to a lot of people that I work with as well I'm like if you're going to go out and have a meal on the weekend like you can't really complain about the consequences on Monday if you know, you know, there's like, you, you know the choice you're making. And sometimes those consequences are okay to accept. Like you drinking at your daughter's wedding, you're going to have that memory for a lifetime. So a couple of days of feeling a little bit rough is not super bad. But if you're doing that on a day-to-day basis because of you're navigating your lifestyle by drinking in the evening every day and then compounding that with poor food choices as well, that's when it becomes consistent and kind of relentless in how you're going to feel as well so i think like you said that awareness piece knowing what triggers you more and then maybe also leaning into the things that don't trigger you you know like just because you have intolerances to gluten but someone else can consume bread it's not thinking well mira doesn't eat bread so maybe i won't it's like well 
eat the foods that your body can tolerate and enjoy those things that life's given you a gift there. So, so take advantage of it, right? On that note, I want to transition into another big piece is that weight loss goals and body composition goals do not go away when a woman reaches their 30s or 40s or 50s. If anything, they become I mean, they're just as prevalent as they would be in their 20s or 30s, except they're battling other things like menopause, for example, changes in metabolism, changes in hormonal profile as well. So how do you balance that, the balance between health and doing what's right for your body versus body composition? Because the automatic thing for most women is going to be drop my calories as low as possible, exercise as much as I can. And, you know, we're not going to say that's the best combination for someone going through menopause. So talk us through how you're balancing the two when that's still such a big goal for so many women who reach that type of age. That's such a great question, really is. And I think I'm going to start right at kind of the beginning and look at sort of grassroots, what's actually going on in menopause, okay? Uh, because the basic stuff that we all know as kind of fitness instructors and personal trainers and people who work with, with, with men and women and everyone, there is a basic formula which we know works, okay? But a lot of women are doing this basic formula and it's not working. So it's kind of like, okay, what's going on? I'm in calorie deficit and, and I'm running every single day for an hour and I'm still gaining weight. What on earth is going on? Such a common, common, common thing. The thing that I, I want to just explain is what's happening inside your body okay so that formula is still correct and it still works because we know it does but inside your body this there are three sex hormones that we need to talk about and then another another chemical another hormone called cortisol so estrogen progesterone and testosterone those are the three ones that we need to focus on first estrogen particularly if we know and it is a fact that estrogen is actually called a master hormone and the reason it's called a master hormone is because we have estrogen receptors in pretty much every part of our body, even down to a cellular level in order to produce energy. OK, it's it's the it's needed for brain function. It's needed for absorption of different nutrients. It's needed to produce um, serotonin. It's needed for hair growth. It's needed for sleep. We need it for everything. Progesterone and testosterone also play that part, okay? A very important part, particularly testosterone, in kind of that drive and that kind of, you know, the energy that we need. So all of those hormones, during menopause, they're all going up and down. And during menopause, perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause, estrogen in particular, we lose the amount of estrogen we're producing and we change the type of estrogen that we are producing as well. So it's like, we're suddenly been we've been going on supercharged petrol engine driving and everything is wonderful hunky dory and then suddenly somebody takes the petrol and can changes it and puts diesel in and then we're kind of going like a chug start and a chug start right and that is exactly what's happening so we just it's not about what's coming in from the outside right now it's what's happening inside if that's happening the other thing that's happening is also we're actually laying down fat so our body during this time is trying to lay down fat. And the reason it's trying to lay down fat is because we actually know that the adipose fat is involved in the production of the type of estrogen we're now producing. OK, so your body's trying to lay down fat. And we know we don't want to be laying down that fat because it can lead to so many other complications. So you're immediately fighting an uphill battle. You're fatigued and tired. Your body isn't absorbing as much as it was before and it isn't doing it well enough. And, and then on top of it, your body's trying to lay down fat and you're trying to get rid of it, okay? So it's like going, trying to climb Mount Everest at the moment. Once we understand that, we then need to take a step back and think, okay, hold on a minute. I haven't talked about cortisol yet, okay? So this is where cortisol comes in. Cortisol, which is important, it's an important chemical, it's an important hormone, our body produces it naturally. However, when we live the lives that we're living 
today, okay, that work stress, that deadline, the kids or the parents that you're looking after or the friends that you have to whatever, you know, you, you've got deadlines, you've got things going on. It's a busy, busy, busy life. And we're almost led to believe the busy we, busier we are, the more successful we must be. That can produce something called chronic stress. So basically cortisol never drops. It just keeps staying drip, 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 drip. And in order for us to produce cortisol, we actually stop certain other very important chemical reactions happening, such as our own body's ability to produce estrogen, progesterone and testosterone. So cortisol comes into play really, really importantly. When we're exercising, we're producing a certain amount of stress in our body, which is needed and it's important. However, there are certain types of exercises that produce more stress than others. So if we're talking about running, okay, just as an example. That's quite a stressful exercise or spinning. It's cardio, it puts a lot of stress on your body. It kind of is, you know, that's what it's intended to do. But add that to the stress your body's already feeling. Add that combination to you're not eating enough. Add that combination to your, your body's not producing enough estrogen and progesterone, testosterone to help you. You suddenly got a perfect storm for your body going into a bit of a meltdown and actually laying down as much fat as possible and nothing's working. So. That's the basis from which we need to start. Once we can see that picture, we then can start to think, okay, wow, what do I do? How do I solve this problem? And I think that's the starting point. That's where we start. So we then look to see, okay, I need to fuel up better. I need to fuel up more. I need more protein because I need to keep building muscle because my muscle mass is reducing. I need to have some fats in my diet because actually fat is what's going to be this long-term endurance-based fuel, but it's also very important for my brain. I need to have enough carbohydrate, which is going to give me enough fuel to keep going, uh, but not too much that it actually then gets stored as fat. And then I also need the fiber. I need my micronutrients like vitamin D and C and zinc and magnesium, all of those things. That's the first thing. Second thing is I need to think about how to exercise, but also reduce my stress levels. Like how on earth do that? <laughs> <laughs> and that? You know, and that is where, and I know, you know, it has been proven, it's scientifically researched that some form of practice of breath work and meditation and mindfulness like yoga really helps reduce your cortisol levels so that your body can then start to actually function better and use the cortisol it's needed for the activities you're going to do. So yes, you need to then think about doing maybe a shorter run or a shorter spin class, but actually bringing in something that's going to help to build those muscles up so that you are then able to burn that fat better, you're able to run better and spin better, so that's when your resistance training comes in. And it's actually the combination of all of that together, and it takes a bit of time to work out, so don't get overwhelmed by what I've just said, but you break it down and you do something very, very small, something really small, each change, each week, each month to add to that wonderful kind of holistic way that we need to be living. But that's, that's the key to not so much weight loss, but fat loss, because it's the fat that starts to lay down. And it really does. People come to me, I had a lady this morning, again, you know, literally just like how is my how is this happening because I'm super active you know and then we when we looked at her food I was like okay well, you're doing so well but we just need to eat a little bit more protein 
you know, she had a salad but no protein in it. I was like, oh, okay, well, we need to have, what about having some eggs or some lentils or something to that, to that salad or fish? So it is just fine-tuning um, and starting small. But that, to me, that combination is like the whole picture. That's the whole thing. That's how it kind of works for me. I really love that formula. And I think it was in-depth, but it was much, much needed to give everyone an idea of how it's, like you said, full circle. It's so holistic. It's like every single part of the puzzle makes a difference to how you're going to essentially look and feel. And whilst we're on the protein topic, I'm curious, you mentioned about the South Asian background and protein is usually very, very hard to come by. A, because you don't grow up having too much and also because a lot of you guys are vegetarian or vegan. So for those who are struggling with the protein aspect of this, especially those who are vegan and vegetarian, what are your recommendations to them? Okay, so the thing that I said, and I, I, I had to, I, could, I was vegetarian I went through a phase of being vegetarian and I, I couldn't sustain it because I just wasn't able to get the nutrients I needed from the food I was eating. And actually now food for me is fuel. So I literally think of food in a very functional way, as functional as I possibly can. You know, there is enjoyment, don't get me wrong, but, um, you know, it's functional. So if you are a vegetarian, and even if you're not vegetarian, the way to think about protein is to think about it like scaffolding, okay? So don't just think about, right, I'm going to have two eggs and then I'm going to have this and then I'm going to have that. Think about layering it up. So at every time you eat, you add a little bit of protein to what you're eating. So yes, great. Eggs in the morning. If you're a vegetarian, you eat eggs, eggs in the morning. Fantastic. But how about also then when you're thinking about your snack or you're thinking about your lunch, let's add in some chickpeas or some hummus or some falafels or some pre lentils, three or four different types, um, maybe for dinner, you know, have some tofu if you're able to eat and consume tofu. But actually, don't just leave it at tofu. Add some other different types of lentils to it. Um, you know, add your your kind of cottage cheese if you're not a vegan is a great form. You know, so literally thinking about adding little bits of protein. Hummus is another great one. Making dips with different types of beans is a great way. Just slowly adding little bits of protein into everything. There's uh, one of my, my clients is brilliant she actually makes a dal so she makes a dal and she just blitz in she actually blitz some silken tofu into it nobody in the family knows what they're eating and it's great so she's actually got the tofu and she's got the lentil so she's got the protein profile from both the other thing to do as well is to add some soaked and ground uh, so ground and soaked chia and flax seeds into things so if you're having a, a if you're having porridge and oats have got protein in them layer it up again so you've got your complete proteins from your chia seeds and your flax seeds. Grind them up, soak them for a bit, get them in, and you've actually got, you know, again, that scaffolding of protein. If you're a vegan, again, just leaving out the cottage cheese, but pretty much everything else there I've, I've said is, is for you. I think with vegans and vegetarians, what is where we can go wrong is that we start to look for the processed foods to give us protein. So again, things like the corn or the or the plant-based burgers or the plant-based sausages. And, you know, I think sometimes I get very nervous because I say to people, look at the back of the ingredients and tell me what it is in there that you recognize. Because if you don't, then do you know what you're eating? That That's just all we need to think about. Do you know what you're eating? Um, you can make brilliant uh, burgers with kidney beans or black-eyed beans and some vegetables and uh, tofu kind of all mushed together. And I do loads of these recipes and things where you, you can just make it and you can batch freeze them. I know it's convenient, but sometimes I just think choosing, making choices 
for your food, you really need to think about what am I eating? How is this fueling me? Um, what is it doing for me to help me to gain that protein that I need? So yeah, it is just important to think about layering up and scaffolding. I like that a lot. And as you've mentioned, if you kind of change that perspective of the majority of the time, food is fuel and the minority of the time, but occasionally it's just fun and whatever I want. I think, like you said, you can find a good blend between the two and i can hear people right now saying mira i hear you i love the idea i want to feel this way i want to look that way but where do i find the time to do all of this yeah no i know i get that all the time i don't have the time i don't have the time and i know i get it i really really do okay i mean the 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 things i use because i i have a i have a pretty full-on schedule um and i've added to that schedule by having my grandson that i look after now once once a week on a friday so literally when he's there and he he's gosh he's just like turning into this he's just like this full-time job you literally can't leave him for a second unless he's asleep (laughs) so you know there are days when uh, and most of my days are packed um I love to be busy that keeps me happy I'm very lucky I do what I do so I do balance that out I do train every day but it's in my diary I have a trainer I use a personal trainer every day everybody goes wow that's so expensive and I'm like yeah but the cost of not having that personal trainer is me needing to fork out on medication or me not being able to live and work the way I want to. So, uh, and I'm not someone who will go to the gym by themselves. I won't. I know I'm a trainer. I can train, you know, I can train people, but I need that person to help me. So that's, so you need to understand you. You need to understand what makes you tick and what are your, where are you going to, where is it going to fall down for you? I think that's the first thing. Where is it going to fall down for you? So for me, I don't have the motivation. So I actually invest in a personal trainer who is going to one hour a day meet me in the gym. So four to five days a week, I'm there. Okay. In terms of food, I make sure that I prep. It's the only way. And I know it's boring, but the boring stuff is what works. It's boring. I spend, it gets quicker. The more you do it, it gets quicker because you end up, can't be bothered to make 20 different meals, right? So you just end up making one batch and you keep it and you eat it and you enjoy it so i i prep on a sunday i do literally a batch of chicken so we roast up chickens because i eat meat so i roast up a couple of chickens and i know that's meals for x number of days i kind of have some vegetables chopped and cut in the fridge or i steam some and have them in the fridge um or i have boiled eggs on the go so i've always got something in the fridge to hand the other thing i do you know and again this sounds boring i'm so sorry but boring is good it really is I actually look at my diary and I know where my appointments are. And I know that there's a 10 or 15 minute gap here. And there's a 10 or 15 minute gap here. If I'm lucky, I get half an hour. And I know then, okay, I've got half an hour. So actually I can make some fried eggs. Quick, takes two minutes, okay? But I know I've only got 10 or 15 minutes here. So actually what I need to do there is have a really quick salad with chicken thrown in with some a really simple dressing with olive oil and lemon juice. Woof it down, I'm done, okay? But I've fueled, I've eaten. I don't need to resort to being caught out. Also, when you're out, that's the other thing I hear a lot about as well, Elliot, is that, you know, I'm out though, I'm out all day and where do I eat? Or I'm at the airport and I'm traveling and I'm like, okay, but there are some really good out, you know, really good retail outlets out there now um, that actually offer really simple meals. You know, you don't need to go crazy. If you don't want to have a sandwich, you don't need to have a sandwich, but you can actually get really good salads you can get really good hot soups and all sorts of different options so there is always an option out there always i think like i said for me prep 
look at your timetable and know where you're going and what's going on for the week ahead. Um, and actually, wherever possible, when you're prepping, make sure your meals, wherever possible, are the same for everybody. So don't stop making one meal for you, one meal for someone else. You know, that's where you go wrong. It's um, it's so easy to get caught up in that whole thing. But so-and-so doesn't like that. Or, But I just think you've got to try and make one meal for everyone. Otherwise, you're going to get really caught up. And know what your downfalls are. That, recognize those. Recognize that you need a friend to help you go to the gym. You, you, you need to be part of a community to help you do yoga or whatever it is, swimming, or choose something that you enjoy doing. Like it doesn't have to be expensive. You can just go out for a walk. You know, you, you don't need to go to a gym. You can do strength training very well at home. Um, there's so many things, you know, dancing, whatever it is, but that movement is key. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I love the point on knowing yourself and knowing your downfalls. And I think so many people are like, well, I need to work on this. I get so many people that I speak to and they're like, before I work with you, I'm just going to try and lose some weight first. I don't have to rely on someone to be accountable for, for the rest of my life. And I'm like, you're literally telling me the problem that you have. I'm like, decide if that's the <laughs> battle that you want to face. I'm like, you've got so much going on in your life. Do you like, and really realistically, the amount you're paying for a coach or whatever really doesn't really scratch the surface that much. So it's this ego based thing of saying, well, I need to be able to hold myself accountable. Otherwise, you know, how am I simply going to live? And then you miss out and get the results because you're like, well, it's actually too hard to hold myself accountable. And I'm the same, like, I'm never going to learn a language if I just try and do self-revision. And that's why I choose to have a teacher. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like, and I know myself and I would love to be like, yes, you know, I'm elite in everything and I can do this all on my own. But I just can't. I think sometimes facing reality is one of the most important things. Oh, isn't it? Isn't, uh, it is. And I think, you know, when you I think what's interesting is doing what we're doing, working with people actually gives you a lot of insight into yourself too. And I always say to my clients, I learn so much from you because I'm then able to identify, my goodness, I'm having the same conversation with myself. And actually we need to stop that conversation and actually just focus on enjoying that moment, enjoying that time and actually saying, yeah, all right, I am one of those people that needs help with this. And that's fine. It's fine to need help and guidance. It's actually okay, isn't it? It's okay not to be okay at everything. It's absolutely fine. Yeah. And another aspect of that as well is accepting whether you're willing to do the required work in order to get what you actually want, right? It's like, if you can't stand the sight of doing your own meal prep or going to the gym X amount of times a week, then I'm sorry, but you might have to give up these super ambitious body composition goals. But as long as that's okay, and you just want to be in shape, you just want to have a you know flat waistline, you want to fit nicely in your clothes, totally fine. But if you want the next level of things, you kind of have to do, like you said, the boring things time and time again. And I think that, you know, those two things, understanding your downfalls and also being willing to accept what your actions will get you are going to be super, super powerful for anyone on this type of journey, full stop, especially like a menopausal journey as well, I'm sure. Oh, you're, you're so right, Elliot. Uh, uh, absolutely correct. It, it couldn't have said it any better than that. And it is that realistic expectation. Let's just get into that realistic expectation. Because that, when you're going through menopause, perimenopause, you know, and even when you get into postmenopause, you are different. And that is something, it's navigating that change. That's what this journey is about from menopause, you know, perimenopause through to postmenopause. And you will be, you could be living in this stage of your life for over half. So for me, if I live till I'm 80, God willing, I will have lived 40 years of my life, more of my life in perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause than I will have not. So 
we've got to start to learn to become comfortable. And, you know, just to kind of be really positive about this, I have to say, is once you've come out of that post, that perimenopause and menopause journey and you're postmenopausal as I am now, and I have been for four, four and a half, nearly five years, it's, there is this sense of liberation and there's this sense of just no BS, right? You just, you're, you just can't tolerate anymore. It just is brilliant. So you actually start to get a little bit of a reality check with yourself and actually you realize how much rubbish you're telling yourself all the time. So it, it's a really enlightening journey and it is a one with lots of creativity. So if you can navigate those changes well through peri and menopause and get into postmenopause, the world is a very, very different and actually very lovely lovely place to be i love that we finished on such a high and such a positive mira i could speak to you for hours but i am going to respect your time and for the listeners who are uh tuning in right now where's the best place to find you if they want to keep up with the work that you're doing oh thank you so much so you can find me on instagram i'm the most active on there because i do love instagram uh and uh, i'm there as mira bogle M-E-E-R-A-B-H-O-G-A-L. I also have a uh, online platform called The Training Club, which again has an Instagram uh, handle of The Training Club. Um, so you can find me on there. Um, and my website is uh, mirrorsmadefromscratch.co.uk. But yeah, those are the kind of places. I am on Facebook and places like that, but not super active on there. Please come along. And if you message me, people message me, I will always message back. I'm very happy to talk to people. Amazing. I'll pop all of that in the show notes below. But Mira, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, thank you, Elliot. Thank you for having me on. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.